I am Mira Nabulsian. On Friday, March 30th, more than 30,000 Palestinians gathered at the border of Gaza and Israel to commemorate the 1976 killing of six Palestinian citizens of Israel protesting the theft of their land, which became known as the Palestinian Land Day. On the first day of what the organizers call the Great March of Return, Israeli military forces opened fire into the peaceful demonstrations, killing at least 17 people and injuring more than 750. The Israeli occupation forces boasted on their Twitter account that they know where every bullet landed during the massacre. They later deleted their tweet. Organizers of the Great Return March note that the objective of the march is to demand the implementation of the United Nations Resolution 194, allowing for Palestinian refugees to return to their original towns and villages that are part of now Israel. The march was part of a six-weeks event that will culminate in the commemoration of the 70th anniversary of the Palestinian Nakba, or catastrophe. That's the term Palestinians use to describe the events leading to the creation of the State of Israel and displacement of more than 750,000 Palestinians, now refugees in the West Bank, the Gaza Strip, surrounding Arab countries, and around the world. I spoke with Mohammed Abdul Wahab Abu Hashem, a legal researcher with the Palestinian Center for Human Rights and a human rights and criminology lecturer at Al Azhar University in Gaza, about the march and the objectives of these mass protests. So let's start by explaining to our listeners what the March of Return looked like. You were there Saturday with your family. Some of our listeners may have seen the images of people praying at the site of the march, images of tents set up. Describe more what things look like on the ground and what felt like. Many people think about just going to support us peacefully and ask for our right to return according to the resolution of 194 issued by General Assembly. This was the idea. It was dependent on non-violence resistance as what happened in India and South Africa. And it planned like that. But in Friday, when people get there, some young people just get near to the border. The Israeli forces shot them, even they are. There is no imminent threat on them. So people get angry because some of them got shot in their legs and hands. They started to throw stones on the soldiers. Even these stones will not reach the soldiers, of course, because they are away and there are three fences between them and the soldiers, and the soldiers already behind a sand dune, okay? They start to kill people rather than just injure them. When people start to get angry more, they start targeting people even uh, within the people in the back, and they said that they because they are Hamas. Hamas was there, some people from Hamas and some people from Fatah, and everyone uh, participated, every faction participated really in this uh, demonstration. So uh, they were not soldiers in when they, they when they participate, they have no weapons, but Israeli soldiers just decide to kill them in a cold blood. That's why people maybe this Friday will be more violent, I think. And I don't want this to be more violent, really. But we expect more violent Friday this Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, to go back to my question in terms of how things were organized, uh, how things looked like, the tents, can you give our listeners an idea of how things looked on the ground? 
we just stapled tents there and we planned for uh, folklore events like tabka and uh, singing and something we call the heya which is uh, original dance for bedouin it's supposed to be like that and it intended to be like that but when things turned to violent things change a little but during the last days after the friday we get back for example yesterday there was a chain of readers many yaws get their books and start to read before the borders okay the day before uh, there was the heya which i told you it's a traditional dance for bedouin mm -hmm. the day before uh, it was dabka some people just get there and play football but people still some accidents happen there and some people get injured still i don't know why i think israeli forces tried to make the demonstration violent because this is the field that suits them because if it's about non-violent struggle so they will not have any justification to use force so they're trying to uh, provoke people to get violent and then get justification to kill them it's hard to control people when they get angry and unfortunately people already get angry because of they saw what happened and how the Israeli soldiers just kill their friends and sons in a cold blood. Even they targeted uh, some girls and women. So you're saying initially the idea was to organize different types of cultural events and activities. So just yeah. uh, people getting together and just celebrate their culture and be there and demand the yeah. right to return. And then you feel like people were dragged into violence because of the Israeli provocation. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they try to uh, send the message to the world that we still have our right to return. We insist to return, really. And if we're to talk about the casualties and the Israeli narrative of the events, at least 17 Palestinians were killed during that day, Friday, and 800 injured with live ammunition. Obviously, there are other Palestinians who were killed after Friday, and no Israeli soldiers were hurt. Human Rights Watch also said that the killing of Palestinians in Gaza was unlawful and calculated. And despite videos emerging on social media of Palestinians being shot in the back or while going far away from the border or while praying, Israeli spokesperson instead insisted that the march was not peaceful and described the march as a violent riot. And they said that Hamas is using the march to cover up for its attacks. What do you say to that? Uh, I know that the Palestine Center for Human Rights had observers on the ground that day. So in your position as a human rights worker, how do you characterize what happened that day? Everything was videoed by cameras and everyone see what happened. There was a young people who throw stones it even not reach the first fence i'm talking about three fences between the demonstrators and the soldiers so when they're talking about violence it's it's just you know they try to uh, fool people it's not like that they are young people they can't reach the soldiers human rights watch even said that there is no imminent threat on the soldiers but even the Israeli leaders said that they will kill any provoker and kill anyone who get to the fence. They tweeted that on their accounts on Twitter. 
they already admit their guilt by saying they will kill the provoker. If they see anyone active in the demonstration, he deserves to be killed. So Human Rights Watch even said that it's extrajudicial killing. If you just decide this one uh, because he is active to get killed, it's extrajudicial killing. Even he is Hamas or not Hamas. It's a peaceful demonstration. There is no war act or clashes or something to justify firing light ammunition. And so to clarify, the protests happened along the eastern border of Gaza with Israel. But what exactly separates Israeli soldiers from Palestinians who were marching Friday and then continued to march and do their activities? Can you explain more what the fence or what the border exactly looks like? First of all, the demonstration was from five to 700 meters away from the first fence. There is three fences. One of them is electronic one. Okay, anyone touch it, they know where it get touched and they can target them directly. And after the three fences, they make a very high uh, sand shield and they just stand against it. They employ 100 snipers to just target uh, those who provoke or those who near the uh, borders. But as we see, and as uh, many witnesses say, that they targeted people even they are away from the border, even uh, 500 meters and more. Israeli claim after that that they are Hamas. I don't know how they can justify killing someone because he is Hamas. How can they tell okay. that they're Hamas? Uh, because most people were there just in civilian clothes. Like there's nothing that could indicate the affiliation of anyone. I, I don't know how they know they are Hamas. There was Hamas and there was Fatah and this was uh, Popular Front. Everyone was there. Everyone decided just to let the weapons and we demonstrate peacefully. The violent happened come after the Israeli soldiers targeting some people and shoot them in their legs. People get provoked and just start to throw stones, as I said. We can't justify using live ammunition. Mm-hmm. They already have rubber uh, ammunition and they have many other tools. Why they insist uh, to use snipers when killing people while they're away from the fence? It couldn't be justified like that. I think it intended to be violent. And I wanted us to talk a little bit also about the political objective of the uh, march and the events taking place up to uh, May 15th. What's interesting in this march is that from the outside in Western media, Gaza is often associated with Hamas, with rockets, with siege, with the humanitarian catastrophe. But the message this march brings back is the point that more than half of the people living in Gaza are refugees whose homes are now what became uh, Israel and that they're still waiting to return. Talk to us a little bit about how you see things from the inside, the political objectives of this uh, march, do you think it can bring back some hope for change, considering the current standstill situation in Gaza? It's now more 70 years. We are waiting for our right to return, and people start to lose hope. First, they hit on Arab countries to get them free and to get their right to return, and then they depend on popular resistance. And then they depend on armed resistance. And finally, they found out, no way. Negotiation is not work with Israel. Israeli 
instead of giving us even part of our land, of our historic land, it was called Palestine before 70 years. It was called Palestine. All the maps before 70 years called this area Palestine. So there was a Palestine before Israel. And we, as a Palestinians, agree that we will take only 28% of it for peace. So what we call now 67 borders or the green line. So we agree that we get our land only in West Bank and Gaza and our capital will be Jerusalem and let the other whole land to Israel, okay? But finally, they wanna let us to get our capital court, Jerusalem, take even the whole West Bank. They just wanna give us the areas where dynasty population of Palestinians there. They just wanna get rid of us. They don't wanna give us state. They wanna get rid of this population and make them to govern themselves without giving them a state or even any right without going back to them. People finally find out that they are reached a dead end. And now we decided the only right we are looking for now is our right to return. We don't want a state we govern. We want to live with Jews and Christians on the same land and regardless who govern it. We are looking now for one state solution. We want to be a citizen in one country, in one democratic country. We need our civil rights. It's the only solution right now. Two state solution, Israel won't let give us any state. And if it give us a state, it will be a very paralyzed state. We don't need such state controlled by Israel and under the the force of Israel. I think that is the only solution right now. Many people just stand behind this solution. We believe now in one state, live together and live in peace according to General Assembly Solution number 194 and according to ICCPR, which uh, International uh, Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, which said that every person has right to get back to his homeland, okay? And do you think this message focused on the right to return was the reason why so many people came out? There's numbers that estimate that maybe 30,000 people were out last Friday uh, on the march. Do you think the changing message, the political message, is what's perhaps able to bring all these people together? As a Palestinian, we believe that right to return is the most important right. Our cause is about our right to return. Regardless who govern this state, we just want to be in our uh, lands, our homes, get back from where we, we started. We will not live in diaspora forever. I'm living in Gaza. Gaza is part of my homeland, but it's, it's not my original homeland. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's not my town. Where are you from? I want to get back to my hometown. I'm from Yibna, for example. Yibna uh, is my hometown. We have a big land there. My father get expelled from that and we lost everything and they have to start from zero while we already have a land and a great life there. For us now, it's we want to get back our lands. We don't care about who govern. 
we don't care about Abbas, we don't care about Netanyahu, we don't care about Hamas, we don't care about everything. We just want our right to return. We want our civil rights. And I want us to talk about the United Nations. Obviously, everything you're saying is connected to the United Nations. Following the events Friday, uh, the United Nations called for an independent inquiry into the killings, as did some of the families of those people killed Friday. Israel refused the investigation, and the Security Council could not reach a decision in that regard. As someone working in the field of human rights, do you still count on the United Nations? And could an investigation be beneficial for Palestinians at this point? Point. How would that be different maybe from uh, the Goldstone report that investigated the events of 2008 war? How do you feel about the United Nations and its ability to do something in the current situation? I don't bet on UN really, but it gives us legitimacy. When UN said that we have the right to return, investigation committee should be established. So it gives us legitimacy. When Israel refused this investigation, we could infer from that that they are trying to cover their crimes. Really, I depend more on uh, the free people around the world. I think that what what happened in South Africa could repeat it again in Palestine, when all free people around the world just support the black people's rights in South Africa. We want them just to support us to be like them. We are a human being, so we have the right to have our civil rights. Hamad, in our show, we talked a lot about the siege on Gaza and the humanitarian situation. Uh, this summer, it will be 11 years since the siege on Gaza. And the reconciliation between Hamas and Fatah was promising some improvements uh, in the livelihood of people in Gaza and perhaps easing of the blockade. Do you think people still have hope? How do people get by after 11 years of the tight siege? Really, the siege destroyed our youth. People here lost hope. Suicide attempts become very common. It wasn't there before 10 years. As I see people in the demonstration, people are ready to die, but they want a solution. Whatever solution they want to, you know, when just you suffocate people like that for 10 years, Unemployment is 60 or 65 percent of youth, so it's not life. We can't get out from Gaza. It's very hard to get out from Gaza, and if you want to get out from Gaza, you should pay. Only rich people can get out from Gaza. Poor people cannot, or even middle class cannot get out from Gaza. Because if you want to get out from Gaza, you should pay the Egyptian or get some uh, mediation on Israel to get from Ares checkpoint. Can you imagine how life when you are in a big prison where they just let in what they want and let out what they want? Even, for example, when people threat to fire tires, the Israeli reaction was, we will not let uh, tires again to Gaza. So it's like that. If you use anything to resist them, they just prevent it to come in. It's really like a prison. I tried to get out, for example, conferences out from Gaza, and always failed because if I want to get out, I can go through Ares or uh, through uh, Egypt border, okay? Ares is Israeli borders, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ares is a checkpoint where we get uh, through the West Bank, and the other way is 
through a checkpoint uh, of Egypt border, okay? Uh, the Egypt border only works for 30 days, okay, through the whole year. And very little people get out. And those who get out paid a lot of money to get out. And through Ares checkpoint, if you, for example, write anything bad about Israel in your Facebook and they found out that, you could be present in prison because they think that you are supporting the resistance in any way. It's very dangerous to get through Ares and it's very rare to get through Egypt's borders. We have shortage of everything. We have only four hours electricity a day. I'm now uh, talking to you through generator. Even the sea, all the sewage of Gaza Strip poured into the sea without being treated, okay? Sewage should be treated before, before they pour it to the sea. But as we don't have electricity and we don't have plants to treat it in the right way, our sea become very contaminated. Many diseases start to rest between people. There's many aspects of the siege, but the most dangerous one is unemployment, especially among youth. Youth here are very frustrated. They lost hope. They even become very mad against everything. They get angry against uh, Hamas and even Fatah and against Israel. They just want any solution. So the idea of Great March to return come, just find finally a hope for them to, to send the message to the world. We will not stay like that forever. We should have our right to return. We should have our right as human beings. That we are what we are talking about. It's not about political issue. It's not. It's become humanitarian issue. Unfortunately, our cause was a political one, but it's now become humanitarian because all the world, all the world, put us in a very devastated situation where people lost hope. Where do you see things going on from here? The march and the events leading to the 70th anniversary of the Nakba will continue in the coming weeks. Where do you see things heading? Politically, I think we are heading to one state solution. And regarding to violence and peace, I think things will go violent next week. Uh, we hope it will not. But unfortunately, uh, Israeli forces say that they will not change the fire uh, orders for them. So they will use the same violence against the demonstration. And we are worried about people get angry and finally things get out of our hands. We are trying to keep it peaceful. People ju here just want to live decently. And they're just trying to push us to relinquish all our rights, even civil rights. It's not just. Unjust, really. And then for uh, tomorrow's events, Friday, can you tell us a little bit about what do you think is going on and what's the preparations looking like for Friday? Because normally we know that Friday is the day when a lot of people go out and protest normally. Friday for Muslims is a day where people pray together in a big groups. That's why we choose this day. We people already collected in a big groups, so they move together to the to the place of the demonstrations. There is preparation really, they called it Kauchuk Friday or Tires Friday. Okay? Tires, yeah. The name comes out from the one who gets shot in his head by Israeli forces who was just 
holding a tire. That's why he get shot in his head. So people get angry and decide that all of them will carry a tire and let them shoot all of us. It's like that. Some people decide to fire these tires and others disagree with them and say it's against environment. So we will paint them carefully and just show the Israelis that we are we, we, we are not savages as just like their soldiers. We are people who love to live in peace and love to live decent life. For example, in Rafah, there is initiative that to paint all the tires colorfully and uh, show the Israelis that those tires are not a reason to shoot us on head. I guess that's a clarification for people here that don't know. The march or the site of the event on the border, there's multiple sites. Is that correct? Yeah, there are six sites where people collected. The big one is in West Gaza. Every group or every place where people make their march, they're trying to make folklores and even uh, play football, handball, things like that. But I'm not sure how it will happen tomorrow because I told you that people get angry because of this one who get videoed by cameras that he just been shot because he holding a tire. So the case of this young man seems to have been something that people really were very touched by specifically. Yeah, that's why they decide everyone to hold a tire to say that it's not a crime to hold a tire. It's not a crime even to, to burn a tire. So you can't justify our killing like that because someone want to fire or holding a tire who can use it against me. So shot him with a sniper in the head, not just on before, but in the back of his head. So it's killing in a cold blood. So that make people very angry. So I'm worried about tomorrow. I hope that free people around the world just move to to change that because Israel saying that if they shot people, people will start, will stop demonstrate. People lost everything, lost hope. They are very frustrated. Even if you kill them all, they will not retreat. To retreat is not a choice anymore because we lost everything already. I'm dealing with yours every day, okay? They're ready to die, to die for, for nothing, but they wanna still living like that. You know, I know people who already graduated 10 years ago and they don't find a job. I know people that they are um, engineers and doctors and they don't find a job. Some people, by the way, get on, uh, on lunches in the sea and get killed when their lunch is drawn. I think you heard about that when those immigrants sink yeah, in, uh, in the sea. Yeah. So when people are ready to do that, they're ready to do anything else. Anything else or any final thoughts that you want our listeners here in the U.S. and specifically in the Bay Area to know? Any final message? We lost hope in Arabs, by the way, and we now pay them free people around the world. We believe that what makes South African people get their freedom is the good stand of the free world with them. And we want this stand to be with us. We don't want to kill Jews or kill Israelis. We don't want to expel them from the land. We just want to live together. And it's our right to live in peace together, to have our civil rights. I'm calling for all the free people in the world stand with us.
you are in the bright side of your stand with us because we were there from the beginning. Before 70 years, it was called Palestine. My ancestors were there. We are not just transferred to this land. It's our land, our homes, and we want to return. We want our right to return. You've been listening to Status Audio Magazine. The Status is produced by the Arab Studies Institute in partnership with Voices of the Middle East and North Africa, co-sponsored by George Mason University's Middle Eastern Studies Program and the American University of Beirut's Asfari Institute for Civil Society and Citizenship. Interested in pitching an interview, a program episode, or becoming a partner, email our associate producer, Paola Messina, at paola at statushour.com. To listen to more conversations, on-the-scene reports, and discussions, visit our website, statushour.com, or subscribe via iTunes and listen to us on the go. You can also friend us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and for more conversations, please visit statushour.com. Dot com.